Great to have everyone here today. Thanks for joining us online. We're looking forward to the day that we'll be able to gather together physically. But until we can, we're glad that the Lord's given us this opportunity to be able to worship together online. We're glad for you to be with us this morning. I want to say a word of thanks to several folks who've been helping through all of this. Our deacons have just been awesome in keeping up with their deacon families. Thank you to all of you men who've been doing such a wonderful job with your family ministries. Thank you to our Sunday school teachers, our small group leaders, our life group folks have been doing a great, great work through the course of these last few weeks, contacting their families and members and folks and keeping up with each other and meeting ministry needs in all kinds of ways. We, we greatly appreciate that. That's what the church is all about. Even when we can't physically uh, be together in a building, we can still be the church and serve the Lord and minister to each other and encourage one another. And I just thank you for doing that. I especially want to thank you for your generosity and your giving. So many folks have been giving online and through the mail. Again, uh, we're, we're cut off from our, our normal patterns of how we give our tithes and offerings, and yet you have been so faithful in your giving. Thank you for ways that you're supporting God's ministry here at National Heights, and we're glad the ministry continues. We look forward to being able to get together and uh, back to a little more normalcy in, in the days to come. But thank you for all that you are doing. Let me lead you in a time of prayer this day. Heavenly Father, I do give you thanks for the ways that you are working through your people. Uh, You have given us such a marvelous congregation here at National Heights, and we give you praise for them and for ways that they are reaching out to each other and phone calling and Zooming and, and emailing and texting and just finding ways to continue doing the work of the church. I, I thank you for them. I pray you bless them. We pray today as we give you praise, as we're gathered in our homes, we just lift your name up this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Most of us have some good workplace stories, things that happen to us along the way as we've been doing whatever job we happen to be involved in. Uh, Like the time I broke 24 plates at one time when I was a a busboy. Fortunately, it was my last night as a busboy. Now, not because I I broke the plates. It was just because I was moving uh, after that. But it might have been my last night as a busboy anyway. I, I don't know after I... I did that. We've all got those those kinds of stories. But, but one of the things that comes out of the workplace that that we really enjoy are the people that we meet, the the folks that that sometimes even after we've left a, a certain job, we continue to maintain those relationships uh, through uh, the years. First Corinthians chapter three verse nine describes a coworker. Like no other. Here's what the scripture tells us in First Corinthians three verse nine. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Today, wherever you are, whether you're working from home this week, whether you're able to go into your work, whatever may be happening, whether maybe you're retired, maybe you don't have a job right now, whatever situation you're in, you need to realize something really important. If you know Christ today, you are God's fellow worker. Now, what does it mean when the Bible tells us that we are a fellow worker of God? 
In verses 4 through 8, just before uh, the verse that we've read today, Paul has been addressing one of the problems that the Corinthian church has been making. They, they had uh, been putting their trust in men rather than in God. They had picked their favorite pastor, so to speak. Some people had followed Paul. Some people had followed Peter. Some people had followed an up-and-coming preacher named Apollos. Now, there was nothing wrong with these men. They were good leaders. But what Paul writes to them is they needed to understand the church was not led by men. The church was led by God. Now, the good news was... It wasn't just Paul and Peter or any of the other disciples who who had important roles in the kingdom work. Every believer has an important role in the kingdom of God. Every one of them is identified here as a co-laborer with God, a fellow worker with the creator of the universe. It was no single individual, but the entire church working together, using the gifts and talents that God had given to them, working together to accomplish God's will. The phrase that Paul uses means that all believers work together with no one less than God himself today. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are just like the Apostle Paul, just like Peter, just like Billy Graham, just as important to the kingdom of God, just as significant to accomplishing the purpose of God. Each of those great heroes of our faith had a role in God's kingdom. But so do you. I don't know about you, but through the course of all of this coronavirus stuff, we've missed a lot of things. But one thing I'm really missing is sports. I mean, there's only so many classic baseball games you can watch. You know, it's just not quite the same as watching a sporting event live and, and cheering for your team and, and watching what's, what's going on. Hopefully, hopefully by the fall, uh, we'll have football. And when football comes back in, they'll be calling plays. Now, the way that plays were called in football has changed over the years. Back in the day, uh, the quarterback used to call all the plays. He, uh, before the game started, the coach would give him uh, kind of the idea of what he wanted to happen. And then, and then during the game, the quarterback there in the huddle would call each one of the plays according to what he thought needed to be done. That's not usually the way that it happens today. Today, it's the, the head coach or the offensive coordinator who actually is the one who's calling each of the plays. And they have different ways that they tell the team what play they want them to run. Uh, sometimes they'll shuffle in different players who will bring in the play from the bench for whatever is about to happen. Sometimes they'll signal in the, the play. You see that a lot in, on the college level where they'll have different signs with coded pictures or, or numbers that, that indicate different plays that, that the team is about to run. 
Or in the pros, they have special helmets where the quarterback is wearing a helmet that actually has some earphones in it where he can hear what play the coach wants him to run. You'll see sometimes when the stadium gets loud, they'll cover the ear holes of their helmet so that they can hear clearly what play it is that the coach wants them to run. Now, the the whole reason why they have plays is because the team all needs to be doing the same thing. Now, they each have their different roles. They have different parts of that play that they need to fulfill. But it's important that they're all working toward the same play, that they're all doing exactly what needs to be done to be successful in that play. If every one of the team players decided, well, I'm just going to play whatever play I want to play right now, that team's going to lose because they're never going to be able to work together. The Corinthian church was in a position to lose much more than just a football game. They were about to lose the city of Corinth. The stakes were high. If they continued to argue about whether they should follow Paul or Peter or Apollos or or anybody else, the city of Corinth was the one who would lose. Because neither Paul nor Peter nor Apollos could save anyone. Only in working together under the authority of Christ could the church in Corinth be effective in their ministry in Corinth. We need to understand what's at stake. When we start choosing sides, when we start calling the plays of our own volition, we don't just lose the effectiveness of our church. We lose Springfield. Because the only one who can save this city is Jesus. We work under His leadership, under His authority, under His guidance, or we fail. But it was more than just following the plan. Not only are we fellow workers with God, we are God's work. Listen again to the vivid imagery that Paul uses as he paints this picture of what the church is intended to be. Again there, verse 9, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Now first of all, note the emphasis here. The, The emphasis is not on us. The emphasis is on God. We are God's fellow workers. We are God's field. We are God's building. He's the director. He's the owner. He's the architect. He's the boss. He's the one who's in control. He is the one who sets the plan. He's the one who plants the crop. He's the one who makes the design. Before we can accomplish anything as a church, We have to give God the proper role, the proper authority. We don't make the plan. We follow His plan. The first thing we have to acknowledge is that He is God and we are not. The second thing we have to realize 
is that each of one of us has been given something significant to fulfill within the course of God's plan. We are co-laborers with Him. We have work to do. To build a, a building, every piece of that building has to be in the right place. Otherwise, it's just a stack of wood. But putting each piece of lumber exactly where it is supposed to be, measured according to the design, placed according to the blueprint, then it creates the building. Paul describes the process as it had played out in his life and in Peter's life and in Apollo's life. Each one of them had done their role and God had used that plan to bring about a great harvest. Here's the way that he describes it beginning in verse 6. He says, I I planted the seed, I, Paul, planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. As they each fulfilled the role that God had given to them, placing God's Idea first, making God the designer, making God the architect, recognizing that God is the one who is in authority. As they followed his design, great things happened. They still can. I stayed in this man's house one time who who had a beautiful grand piano. It was just a gorgeous, gorgeous instrument and sounded so phenomenal. He was very uh, talented in in the way that he could play. But this was a special piano. It was was a regular acoustic piano with keys and strings just like a normal piano would be. But it also had some electronic actions inside of it that you could record a song and then the piano would play the song back with all of the intonations and, and, and rhythms and everything that the the player who was playing the piano had used. It was an amazing thing. In fact, he had purchased some computer discs that had recorded the playings of some concert pianists. And he would place those in the piano, and this piano would just sound phenomenal. It was amazing to watch, but especially amazing to hear. It was a whole lot better than if I just sat down at the keyboard and played chopsticks. Too many times. We come to church, whether it's online or in person, anticipating what we're going to get out of that experience. Sometimes we, we do that in, in our small groups, in our Bible studies as well. We, we, we come to those uh, experiences with an expectation of what we're going to get out of it, of what we're going to receive from it. Now, don't get me wrong. I get an enormous blessing every time we are able to gather together. I am so looking forward to the day that we're going to be able to physically get back together and physically see one another and talk with one another and serve with one another. I miss that. I know you do too. 
But here's the thing. The blessing that we receive out of gathering together as a church, that's the benefit, but it's not the purpose. Again, we receive a tremendous blessing of serving together as the church, of meeting together and worshiping God together. That's an enormous blessing, a blessing we should crave, a a blessing we should be passionate about, a blessing we should be excited about the day that we're going to be able to get back together and do that again. But that's a benefit. That's something that we receive. That's something that that truly is a blessing to us, but it's not the purpose. Of the church. We're not a part of the church for what we can get out of it. We're a part of the church to serve the one who has already given us everything. Our Heavenly Father has loved us so much that He gave His only Son. That we could have forgiveness and everlasting life in Him. We are already abundantly blessed. And we gather together as a church in order to serve Him. That's why it's such a blessing for me to see so many of you serving in in such unusual ways in the unusual circumstances that we face. You're you're finding ways to get online and connect with your classes or to make uh, abundant numbers of phone calls to keep up with folks or to text one another or, or all the things that you're doing during this very unusual season to try to minister to each other. That's that's incredible to watch that happening. And I can't wait to the day that we can get back together. But I don't want that to stop. As we are able to gather back together, I'm looking forward to all kinds of new and wonderful ways that each of you can use the gifts and talents that God has given to you. And as we serve together, as we work together according to God's plan and under His authority, He's going to do exciting, wonderful, miraculous things through you. We have great days ahead at National Heights because you are God's co-laborers. You are God's field. You are His building. You are His work. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. Heavenly Father, Again, I thank you for the folks who are watching right now, folks who are listening to this message, those who have given their life to you in faith. Heavenly Father, they are your fellow workers. You're working through them. Even during this season where we're separated from one another physically, you're still serving through them and working through them in phenomenal ways. And God, I look forward to that day when we can get back together again, when we can start serving together again physically, seeking to reach the needs of our neighbors and friends, and most importantly, finding new and innovative ways to take the message of Jesus Christ to our community.
Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the extraordinary privilege we have of serving in your kingdom. Use us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We want you to have an opportunity to respond to what God is doing in in your life. And and I know God's working. He's doing some amazing things. Maybe he's working in your life right now today. Perhaps for the very first time, you've recognized your need for the Savior. And maybe you can't even really put words to what you're thinking about, but you recognize something's missing in my life. Something's not right. And the more I try to fix it, the more wrong it seems to be. What does Jesus have for me? Well, there's really good news. Jesus has exactly what you're looking for. In fact, he's the only one who does. He's the only one who died on a cross giving a perfect sacrifice for our sin. He's the only one who rose again from the grave to prove his authority over death itself. And today, right now, you can receive him as your personal Lord and Savior. We'd love to help you to do that. You can email our church, nhbc at nationalheights.org, and we'll be glad to send you some information about how you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior right now. Maybe there's some other way that God is speaking to you. Maybe you want to know how you can be a part of National Heights. We'd love to send you some information about that. Maybe you have a prayer need you'd like for us to be uh, lifting to the Lord. Just send that to us. We'll be glad to be praying along with you. We want you to know that God's at work. He may be at work in your life right now. And we want to help you in your walk with Him. Thank you again for being a part of our time of worship this morning. Thank you again for your faithfulness and your giving and your support of our ministries here at National Heights. Thank you for ways that you are allowing our Heavenly Father to work in and through you. I can't wait to see how God is going to work through your life in the days ahead. Thank you and God bless you.